Hey there, and welcome to another Change Catalyst Conversation, where we talk about anything and everything that has to do with building cohesive, vision-driven teams that make sustainable change happen, even when change seems impossible. I'm Casey Watts, Impact Coach and Consultant and the host of this show. What I know from experience is that making change happen can be overwhelming if you don't have cohesive vision-driven teams. No one has a collective understanding of why change should happen or what change to begin first. You notice false starts because a solid action plan hasn't been formed or crafted, or you're met with resistance because you don't know how to motivate such complex people. And that leads to schools remaining in a cycle of stagnancy, experiencing the same problems and ineffectively repeating the same initiatives or programs again and again. And that leads to low morale, burnout, high turnover, and who suffers most? It's our students. But there is a better, more effective way to bring about change in your school that does not deplete the energy of your people. You need a catalyst to help you get a solid start. My goal is to make cohesive, vision-driven school teams a possibility. I help school leaders zoom out to cast vision and then zoom back in to script the critical moves that help teams collectively go farther, faster and better, even when change seems impossible. Here's what I want to know from you. What is the change that you know needs to happen in your school? What are you hesitant to get rolled out to teams? What exists only in your mind that you are absolutely certain would benefit your school, but you're just not sure how to get started? Right now, I want you to take a sticky note or put a note on your phone or maybe in the comments, make a note that says change catalyst. This is your reminder to email or message me about your future endeavors and your current reality because I would love to encourage you as a change catalyst in your school. Okay, now that you are primed for thinking about cohesive, vision-driven teams that make change happen. Let's jump into this week's Change Catalyst Conversation. Hey, hey, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to another Change Catalyst Conversation. I am super excited about tonight's episode. And I feel like I actually say that every single Sunday and every single episode, I say I'm super excited because I truly am. I'm really excited about jumping into tonight's topic specifically. So before we get started, I really want to know who you are, where you're from, what your role is, and what brought you to tonight's conversation. So the topic tonight is why tier one instruction is collapsing. And when I first posted that, man, I got a lot of hits on that post because it is such 
a hot topic. It is a pain point for a lot of people. So we're going to look at a few different things. I'm going to jump right into the content tonight. And if you know of someone who maybe would be interested in this topic, maybe they weren't able to join or you listen in and you want to share it with someone, no worries. The replay will be available on YouTube, in my Facebook group, and on Spotify. So it will go live tomorrow on Spotify so you can share it with anyone and listen to it anytime. So tonight's topic, again, like I said, why tier one instruction is collapsing. So before we get started, I do want to dig a little bit into why I'm doing this episode in the first place and talk a little bit about some definitions. So we have this like common playing field for this conversation. So here's what happened. Probably two to three weeks ago, I was on LinkedIn. If you're not on LinkedIn, um, get on LinkedIn. It's a great networking place to be. If you are on LinkedIn, find me and we can network together. But I was on LinkedIn and here's, I'm going to actually zoom out a little bit. Here is what I noticed. I noticed a post that read, if you have 800 students in tier two, you don't have an intervention problem, you have a tier one problem. And the comments on that post and the number of reactions blew up. And y'all, it is still getting comments and reactions. And this was probably two to three weeks ago. And so I was intrigued not only by this quote, but also by all of the different comments that were in the comments section. And so I, I wanted to do a little bit of my own research and see what I could find out about how people respond to some different questions regarding tier one instruction or just the tiered model in and of itself, okay? So again, let's talk about some like core definitions for tiered instruction. And I will tell you, this was one of the questions that was in a survey that I sent out. And I'll tell you about the survey in a little bit. But when I sent out the survey, one of the questions was, what is a working definition for tier one instruction? Because you just never know where people are in regard to their working definitions of things. So for the purposes of this episode, we're going to say that tier one instruction is core instruction. Now, as I'm going through what I believe are the definitions, please jot in the comments what you are thinking could be some working definitions or correct me if I'm wrong. OK, so core instruction. Tier one is your core instruction. It should be scientific research based instruction. It should be implemented with integrity. It should be at student grade level standards, and it should be not only explicit and differentiated, but it also should include flexible grouping and active student engagement. Okay, so put a yes in the comments if that's kind of what we can agree would be tier one instruction. If we move to tier two instruction, this is the preventative intervention that's offered to students who fall behind or who demonstrate like difficulty in meeting grade level standards. And we realize that they're, they're not able to make progress. So they might receive some supplemental small group instruction, right? Okay, so put I'm seeing some yeses. Go ahead and put yes again if you're agreeing that this would be 
true tier two instruction should be systematic, explicit, highly interactive, highly interactive. Okay. So then we look at tier three instruction. And I think we can all agree that three tier three instruction is going to be a lot more intensive intervention, right? And so this is for the students who have gone through tiers one and two instruction, and there are just some underlying difficulties that are impacting their progress, right? Okay, so, and I wanna make clear too, that tier three instruction is not synonymous with special education, okay? Just had to put that out there. So now let's think about what our goal is today based on this quote. If you have 800 students in tier two, you don't have an intervention problem, you have a tier one problem. My goal is to identify and analyze what instructional leaders believe is most contributing to the problems around tier one instruction and the increase of the number of students in tiers two and three. Okay, so that is the goal of this live session. Okay, so I want to tell you about the questions that I asked in an anonymous survey after I read the quote, because I read the quote and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to see what other people are truly thinking about this. I want to see what is deeper, like what would be the response to some different questions. So I sent out an anonymous survey for people to fill out and I sent it out to any and all educators. And I want to dig into the data that I collected from this anonymous survey, but let me tell you about the questions first. Here were the questions. Question number one was, what is your current role? Question number two is, uh, what is tier one instruction? Question number three, do you believe tier one instruction is lacking or missing? And then um, the last, one of the last questions was, what has been the most significant contributor or contributors, because they could choose several different options, to the increase in the number of students categorized as tier, tiers two and three. Now, I want to be really clear about who completed this survey so we can understand perspectives. Most participants identified as administrators or like as an instructional leader. Only a handful of the participants were classroom teachers or interventionists or like um, they could have been consultants. So this means that the majority of people that completed the survey have a zoomed out perspective and are seeing more big picture, right? So they're not seeing zoomed into the classroom. They're seeing zoomed out and seeing multiple classrooms, multiple students, and multiple data points. So I want you to keep in mind who the people were that were filling out this survey. So here was the very first question. Do you believe tier one instruction is lacking or missing? Okay, <laughs> let me tell you, these results were really not surprising but interesting. So here we go. 7.6% of the, of the people who completed the survey said, no, I don't believe tier one instruction is lacking or missing. 21% said maybe. And then a whopping 71.4% said 
Yes. Okay. So I think it can be fair to say that the majority of us believe that there is at least an issue um, concerning our tiered approach to instruction, which is really interesting because John Hattie's work reveals that a response to intervention approach is actually should actually have the potential to considerably impact student achievement. Actually, 1.09 um, effect size, I think. And you can check me on that. But remember, it, this is where we have to be really careful about John Hattie's work because this multi-tiered approach to instruction and intervention has the potential to positively impact student learning, right? The potential to. But the response to the data that I collected from this survey shows that we, in general, aren't seeing the potential in our tiered approach. And most people who completed the survey um, believe that it's due to tier one instruction lacking or missing. So let's talk about the greatest contributors or to the fact or factors to this. Okay. And remember, the question is, do you believe tier one instruction is lacking or missing? Most people said, yes, let's think about why? What did you say was a significant contributor to this? And let me zoom in a little bit so you guys can really see this clearly. Okay. So I'm going to go through each of these and we're going to see what you said about contributors to um, the lack of tier one instruction. So here, here are the results. Oh, and I do want to mention there was an other option, but most of the additional comments could be placed in these categories. So let's read through them. And as I'm reading through them, I want to see your comments in the comments section. What surprises you? What stands out? Maybe what's not surprising at all. So here we go. Lack of programs. 20% of people said that they believe this is what's contributing to tier one instruction lacking or missing. 58.1% said an increase in behavioral concerns. 31% said lack of parent involvement. 18% said it was due to the decrease in quality of programs. 82% said that the lack of tier one instruction or the, the problem with tier one instruction is that there is insufficient teacher knowledge. 52% said because it's there's a lack of time for collaborating and planning. 51% said an increase in student learner diversity. 10.4% said decrease in teacher motivation. And then finally, 14% um, said that it was due to student learning gaps. So remember, the question is, do you believe tier one instruction is lacking or missing? This shows what they believe were the most significant contributing factors. So these were the categories listed on the survey. Now, even with these categories, we know that there is an additional tangled thread of subcategories. Am I right? Because we are in a complex and complicated field. In fact, each of these are intertwined in and of themselves, right? And they're connected in some way. And that makes 
approaching this tiered problem both overwhelming and daunting. So let me go ahead and make this statement before we move forward, okay? There is no silver bullet. There is no quick fix. There is no final cure for the problem that we are experiencing. But that doesn't mean there isn't a way to make change happen so that learning is both equitable and accessible to all students and so teaching is more enjoyable and more fulfilling for teachers, right? Which is a whole other possible episode, but I'll have to get to it at another point. So how do we know out of all of these contributors what to target? What in the world do we target if there are so many different contributing factors to the tiered problem that we have? And I, what I want to do is look at the most, the, the contributor that got the most votes. And that was, of course, insufficient teacher knowledge. Okay, so 82% of the people who completed the survey said that um, insufficient teacher knowledge was a significant contributor to the lack of tier one instruction. But the question begs to be asked, what exactly do we mean by insufficient teacher knowledge? Around what exactly is our knowledge actually insufficient? So I want you to add your thoughts to the comments. And I, while you're adding those thoughts, I'll also share a few of the common responses based on the survey. Okay, so what is it around what is exactly is our knowledge insufficient? So here were some thoughts from the survey. Um, people said instructional decisions were not being based on data. Some people said there's lots of telling versus teaching. Many people said uh, we're lacking high quality or knowledge about high quality teaching strategies. People are reading from PowerPoints. A lot don't understand grade level standards. Not knowing exactly how to differentiate for diverse learners. Um, Elena, you said knowing what tier one instruction is and what it isn't. Absolutely. Yeah. So listen, therein lies the problem. We could go a million and one different directions when we think about how to address this tiered issue. And even if our students are divert, more diverse now, even if there's a lack of parent involvement, even if um, there are more significant gaps now than there used to be. We must become knowledgeable about how to approach these uncontrollable things. Because if you look back, and I just want to go back uh, to this slide. If we look at this slide, you can tell that some of these things are uncontrollable. So it is almost out of our control to manage parent involvement. 
Um, lack of programs, man, how often are we able to actually control that? Student learning gaps, we would like to be able to control it. But if I'm thinking about the here and now, I cannot control previous learning gaps, right? So there are lots of things that are outside of our control, but we still have to have sufficient teacher knowledge around those to be able to make growth happen. So I want us to think about, oh, I put, I'm going to go back to that slide that I had. There it is. Okay. I want us to think about this percentage of people that said there's an insufficient teacher knowledge at 82, 82% per, of people said this. So then we have to decide how are we going to put our efforts in the places where effort matters. And this is where John Hattie's research is going to be super beneficial. I am going to add this banner. If someone would like to create a little comment with this link so that people can get to it, but this is the visible learning research, visible learning meta.x.com backslash influences. This is going to give you all of the different contributors to student achievement and list them by effect size. This is the entire global database. And if you're wanting to decide where to begin, this is the place to go. Because if you want your teachers to have sufficient knowledge, we want them to have sufficient knowledge about the things that are going to have the greatest impact. So someone please type that into the comments so that people can click and go to it and you can save it for later. Okay, so remember I said sometimes a million, like we could go a different, a million different directions when we're trying to figure out, okay, how, like, what exactly do we want teachers to be knowledgeable about? But sometimes a million different directions is exactly what we end up doing. And the problem is that the million and one different directions end up being in the form of a new program, a new curriculum, a new resource, a new product, or a new protocol, or maybe a different schedule. Sometimes there's a new approach to departmentalizing, and we often do so too quickly and without enough forethought and strategy. But here is the result of implementing those things really quickly and trying to go for a Band-Aid fix. The result is, ironically, most of the things that people said were significant contributors to the lack of Tier 1 instruction. Lack of time. Teacher overwhelm. Decreased teacher and student motivation. Burnout. Stagnancy. Limited movement in the organization repetitive cyclical problems, space for learning gaps to grow. There is only a perpetuation of the situation we're currently experiencing. So I want you to let that sink in a little bit, right? What happens when we think about the million different approaches we could take to supporting sufficient teacher knowledge, what ends up happening is sheer confusion. And then we find ourselves lacking tier one instruction that is high quality and meet the needs of all students, right? 
So it's almost like we've gotten ourselves into this cyclical problem. We're going round and round again in this hamster wheel and we can't find our way out. So here's what I'm claiming. What I'm claiming after looking at the results of this, this survey and after thinking about all of the comments about tier one instruction missing, I'm claiming that we have a deeper problem. When we consider how broad this idea of insufficient teacher knowledge is, it's fairly evident that we have more than just a tier one problem. We have a clarity problem. Give me a heck yes in the comments if you believe that at a deeper level, we have a clarity problem. I want to know if you think that at a deeper level, we have a clarity problem. Put heck yes in the comments. Let me see it. Okay. And I'm seeing some amen. So true. Yes. But let me tell you what. Clarity will always precede capacity, okay? And, and let it be known, it also precedes collective efficacy. One of the most significant factors influencing student achievement, okay? So let's let, we're going back to John Hattie's research right here. Clarity precedes cap capacity and it also precedes collective efficacy. If we believe that the tier one problem is due to insufficient teacher knowledge, and I think a lot of us do believe that, then another product or another program is not going to fit the bill. Sometimes we leave humans out of it. However, I want to take you to a quote by Rachel Gabriel that I recently heard and man, is it so valuable and so true. She said, a human will outlast any material you buy. And I want to add to that. But only if you invest in them and build their capacity. Okay, so here we go with that again. A human will outlast any material, any material you buy, but only if you invest in them and build their capacity. Are you with me? Are you tracking what I'm saying there? Because what that means is we have to bring clarity to the work that we're doing because it will precede capacity. Here's the deal, though. We also have to understand that building clarity requires change. And I'm not talking necessarily a program change. I'm not talking about a change in curriculum or protocols. It requires a change in people. And when we bring clarity to anything and evoke a change, it can seem as though people are resistant. Like when we're trying to make change happen, it can seem like people are resistant. But I want to take you to the work of Chip and Dan Heath, who wrote the book Switch. Um, and I think the subtitle is How to Change Things When Change is Hard. 
Go all the way to the bottom of this list. Their third surprising truth about change is that what looks like resistance is often a lack of clarity. So think about all of those programs and initiatives that you've been trying to implement or the district has been trying to implement and you're not seeing progress, but instead seeing resistance. Guess what? It could be that people lack clarity around what it is they're being asked to do why they're being asked to do it, and how to collectively come around it, okay? So let's think about, I want, I want you to drop in the comments, are you seeing where there might be a lack of clarity? Are you seeing where there might be a lack of clarity? How do we build sustainable capacity through clarity though? Because tier one is in peril. Okay, it just is. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It just is. And you simply have no choice but to decide where a lack of clarity is impeding teacher efforts and instruction. Now is the perfect time to reflect on our practices, our struggles for the past year and or maybe past several years and develop a strategic plan over the summer that will propel your tier one instruction for the coming year, okay? Now, let's go back to the tier one instruction, insufficient teacher knowledge and clarity. Remember, there are a million and one different directions you can go when you're trying to figure out where, what do we target? Where do we want teachers to be most sufficient in their knowledge? Because we don't do that, we're placing this thing and then this thing and then this other thing and another thing on top of that out to teachers, hoping that we can find a solution and improve tier one instruction so that we can have fewer students in tiers two and three. And I will also say, I just want to throw this out there. I do realize that our population of students has evolved over time. And, and more and more of our students are fitting into tiers two and three, but doesn't that mean that we need to evolve with our growing and changing students? Doesn't that mean that our instruction needs to evolve and change with students? If we don't bring clarity around it, how are our people able to do this? And how are they able to do it in a collective way? Okay, so what I want to do is share with you a process where you can build clarity in order to build capacity. There is literally no way for me to share all of the full details in this one podcast episode. I mean, we're getting close to ending time, but I'm giving this just a brief overview. And what I want to do is give this six-step clarity cycle workbook to the first five people that schedule a discovery call with me. And in this discovery call, and I just want to say, if you are here and you can add this to the comments for us so that can just link to um, my discovery call page, but I'm giving this six-step clarity cycle workbook to the first five people that schedule a discovery call. In the discovery call, we talk about and discover together where your teachers might be or your whole organization might be lacking clarity and how you can gain clarity so that you can have sufficient teacher knowledge. Okay, so here are the six 
pieces of this clarity cycle. I'm going to zoom in a little bit. First of all, you want to identify needs. Identify areas where a lack of clarity might be impeding educator capacity. And your list might be quite lengthy to begin. Then, second, you want to gain insight. You're going to use feedback meetings and listening tours to gain some perspective and insight that will inform a focus because your teachers, your whole organization needs a focus. Without it, there is no clarity. Without a focus, there is nothing that we're moving toward. Then third, you want to determine that focus. You can use the insight that you've gained to determine, and it could be like an instructional focus. It could be a pro professional focus. It could be an organizational focus. Think of it as a goal or target. Fourth, you want to strategically and intentionally cast a vision for this focus, bringing people collectively around a why. What are we moving toward and why are we moving toward it? And then fifth, you want to script the critical moves. So this is an important piece of this, and this does come from the work of Chip and Dan Heath. But they, your teachers, if you want them, them to gain sufficient knowledge about a specific focus, you have to intentionally, as a leader, develop and share the steps and actions that will move your teams and individuals toward the focus. And again, collectively together, okay? And then sixth, you want to find the bright spots and celebrate them systematically because this is going to build momentum and sustain change. So let's just pretend that one of the things, the needs that you've identified is that teachers need to understand what tier one instruction is and is not. You may believe that that is what needs to happen. That is your perspective. But you cannot stop there. You have to gain insight from teachers by doing feedback meetings and listening tours. After you've gained the, um, their responses during those feedback meetings and listening tours, then you can determine a focus because then your focus is going to be based on their responses and feedback, and they will have ownership. Do you see where this is going? So if you notice that there's insufficient teacher knowledge, first of all, decide, okay, what do we mean by that? And what exactly do we have um, insufficient knowledge around? And then bring clarity around it. Okay, so I've given you six steps to this clarity cycle. And here's what I want you to do next. Next, I want you to jot in the comments what you feel like was most useful for you here tonight. And I want to tell you, guys, again, like this, even this work that I'm telling you about, bringing clarity around what you want teachers to be knowledgeable about, it is not a silver bullet. It's not a quick fix approach. It is time consuming. It is hard. And it is more worthwhile and more people focused than any product or program you will ever purchase, okay? 
And if, if sufficient teacher knowledge is what you're going for and what you, what you believe will best address the tiered system conundrum that we have, then you need to be clear on what it is they need to know, have more knowledge about, right? So jot in the comments, what was most useful for you here tonight? And um, I want to remind you that the first five people, if you get on my calendar, I want to give you this workbook. It is, it goes through each of these six steps of the cycle and it will help you to meet with your leadership team and decide what are the next steps for us and how are we going to improve tier one instruction? I cannot say enough about it. I have done this work. Clarity is crucial and it is the only path to sustainable change. Okay. And I, like you, have seen and taken so many other paths that were unfruitful or short lived. And in a discovery call, we can discover together what it is that you need to bring clarity around so your teams can build capacity and move forward. Okay. So I'm going to display a few of these. A lot of people said I found va find value in the comments from others. Yes, and I didn't even get a chance to read through all of them, but guess what? I will as soon as this is ended. Bringing clarity what to what tier one instruction looks like step by step. Yes, take them through the critical moves. Remembering everything boils down to clarity. Great. This made me wonder what my staff thinks impacts tier one. I'm an instructional coach and I'd be curious what the teachers think impedes tier one instruction. Wouldn't that be so interesting to see? And with a clarity cycle, you absolutely can do that. As Brene Brown says, clear is kind. And I feel like that's a perfect time to end this episode. Thank you, Elena. Okay. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I really look forward to visiting with you more even if you don't get on a discovery call with me, I want to hear from you. So leave comments below, send me a private message, find me on social media, and I will catch you at next week's live session. Okay, bye guys. See you later. I want to give a big thank you to you guys for tuning in. And I would love for you to do me two solid favors. Number one, if you've enjoyed this or any other shows, please hit subscribe. I've got a lot of great guests and content coming up and I don't want you to miss any of it. Two, if you know of someone who may be interested in building cohesive, vision-driven teams that collaborate well, share this show with them. And until next time, I want you to go off and have the great collaborative conversations that help you and the people you work with to completely unleash your impact. See you later.